Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Father, we thank you, God, that we're able to worship you, we're able to come, and we can worship in spirit and in truth. And God, your word declares that when two or more are gathered, there you are in our midst. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for miracles that happen in your presence, God. We thank you we're leaving this place different than when we came in. In Jesus' name, because you're with us. And I ask, God, that you're even speaking to hearts right now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And everybody says, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. We'll have a bit of a greeting time after the service because our crowds are getting bigger, so it takes a little longer to do the greetings, right? But we're excited. It's so good to have you. Yes, it's, it's, it's good to have you guys here today. I'm so excited to be with you today. I want to talk to you. Uh, the title of my message today is Faith Is. I want to be talking to you about faith. As we finished off, how many enjoyed the uh, study on Ephesians? Wasn't that good? Yeah, so basically with the Ephesians, we've learned that the first three chapters really talks about how we stand up spiritually. Chapter 4 and 5 talks about how we walk, the walk of faith. And chapter 6 talks about spiritual warfare. And uh, so as we were going through that, of course, you could spend a year on Ephesians. We, we kind of highlighted one thing, one part of the armor of God that we highlighted. Do you guys remember what it was? The shield of faith. And so we're going to start there this morning. And uh, go through that. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14 and 17, it says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, say above all, take the shield of faith with which you're able to quench all the fiery darts. How many fiery darts? All the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay? And so we, we talked a little bit last week about what it means above all. That mean, It puts high importance on the fact that we need to be lifting up the shield of faith. And with that shield of faith, you're able to quench, what's the word? All the fiery darts of the wicked one. So when the enemy attacks us, the only way we can defend ourselves, our main point of defense before our armor, is the shield. And we're to hold up the shield of faith. And I think it's important to note this because there, there has really been an attack against the faith message. And I, I talked a little bit about this last week. The importance to understand is that sometimes a, a movement or a message can go in the ditch. How many have, have seen that? But you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I grew up, when I was young, in, in kindergarten, actually, when I first started going to school, grade kindergarten to grade three, uh, I was in uh, Ingleside uh, at a school called Rothwell Public School. It was kindergarten up to grade uh, 12 at the time. And uh, they built a portable for special needs students behind the school. There was 1,000 students, roughly. And so the portable was to help people who had trouble learning, who couldn't read, write, uh, couldn't speak properly. Uh, and so in that portable, there was two students. I was one of the students. And the other student, was his name was Kelly. And he's, I still know him today. And he was highly autistic. And I was, so it was me and him hanging out in the portable with, with, with special needs teachers. And I was told, you'll never learn to read or write properly. You'll never go through the regular grades with the students. But I thank God 
for the faith message. Because my mother and father in the time, they were following Kenneth Hagin. Uh, some of you heard of Kenneth Hagin Ministries. And uh, they believed God and they said, no, no, the word of God says that, you know, my son has the mind of Christ. You know, uh, he's not going to fail. He's not going to be a special needs student. We're going to believe God. And they confessed the word and believed the word. Teachers were frustrated. What do you want in grade two? I was in the portable. Grade three, I came out of the portable. My grades started going up. I started to learn to read and write better and uh, went through the school system. And over time, I got better and better and better because my parents were holding fast to the promises of God. They weren't going to just listen to what the enemy had to say, Right. And they believe God, and I came out of that. So I thank God for the faith message. And God has really been speaking to my heart about the importance of teaching his people faith. In the proper balance, understanding that we can have faith in a good God who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ever imagine, think, or ask for. He's a good God. He's a good father. And so I wanted to start this morning in Matthew chapter 8, uh, verse 5 to 13. And this is a centurion servant who comes to Jesus. In verse 5, he says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed and dreadfully tormented. Now, Jesus was used to this kind of behavior. I mean, everywhere he went, people would come and say, Hey, you know, my, my husband is tormented. My cousin is tormented. My, I'm tormented. Can you help me, Jesus? Can you come and take care of this? So he was used to people coming and saying, I need help. I need help. I need help. And Jesus said to him, I will come and I will heal him. I mean, that's pretty cool. Jesus had made a commitment. I'm going to come and I'm going to grace you with my presence And I'm going to come and I'm going to lay my hands on him and I'm going to heal your servant. That's a pretty good deal. But when I read on here, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word. The centurion doesn't say and only speak a sentence. He says only speak a word And my servant will be healed, for I am also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now, what was happening here was this centurion was saying, Jesus, I trust your word as much as your presence. And this had not happened up in this time. People were like, no, we need to have Jesus always comes. This is his, he comes this way. He lays hands. He prays. He casts out devils. And that's how he fixes problems. But, but here's a centurion that comes and says, no, no, I understand authority. And I trust your word as much as your presence. Now, that's important to know because sometimes we get prayer or we come to the Lord in prayer for, for our health, Right? for financial breakthrough, for a new job, for our backslidden kids to come back to the Lord, whatever the, the request is, and we come, and we just don't feel like God is answering it, or we don't see it with our physical five senses. We don't see nothing happening. And God is saying, I want you to be like the centurion who would come and say, I trust your word as much as your presence. Your word says that me and my household shall be saved. God, I hold that promise. I believe you're going to answer it. And you begin to trust God, take him at his word, and honor his word as much as we honor his presence. Right? It's so important. So Jesus said to him, okay, 
And Jesus heard it, he marveled and, uh, the, with those who followed him. Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith. Say great faith. Great. Not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom... Okay, will be cast into outer darkness. They will, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And so as you have believed, let it be done unto you. So other people were like, I believe Jesus can heal me, but he has to come physically and touch me. I believe God can heal me, but Pastor Travis personally has to come and anoint me with oil. Let it be according to your faith. And Jesus was saying, you believe that my word has power, therefore it has, has power. Now, this kind of teaching, people are like, the word of God is like water, right? It's refreshing. It brings refreshment to our soul. And um, we have these water bottles. Last night, my wife was drinking one, and there's a little, little place for your name. Have you ever seen the bottle? You can write your name on the water bottle. It's a little blank there. And so she's drinking the water. It's so refreshing. It's so good. And she hands it to me to put on the nightstand. And I looked at it. There was, someone took a pen and wrote a name. Chaser. So I said to Camilla, I said, uh, who's Chaser? She goes, I have no idea. I said, why are you drinking Chaser's water? <laughs> so I don't know. I found it in your car. I'm like, you're drinking someone's backwash. She said, oh, and then suddenly the water was not so refreshing. <laughs> Do you want another sweet? No, get it away from me, right? And I want to say this because the Bible says we must come like little children. I want to encourage you to open the scripture and read it and, and, and drink it for yourself. Don't, don't, don't take regurgitated theology from other people. Read the scripture for yourself. It's refreshing. It'll bring life. It'll bring transformation in your life. And so when I read this, I just get like this, this faith that the centurion had was so pleasing to God that he marveled. And he said, I have not seen such great faith, even in Israel. We've all been given a measure of faith. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you got faith. Because the scripture says that Jesus, he's the author and he's the, he's the finisher of our faith. So he's the one who started it in you. He's the one who's going to finish. And we've all been given a measure of faith. And I see in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, For I say... Through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think soberly as Christ God has given each of us, okay, a measure of faith, okay? We all have a measure of faith. And faith, what faith does is faith moves things from the dream realm to the, to the real realm. So when you hope for something, you're, you're kind of, it's kind of like a dream. Yeah, I wish I could have that. And you're dreaming of having something that's out there in dream world. And it's a hope and, it, and you want it. Faith actually grabs a hold of what's invisible and brings it into the natural realm. That's what faith does. Okay? And uh, so I want to talk to you about it. Now, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And this is out of the Amplified because it simplifies it. It says, now faith is the assurance the title deed or the confirmation of things that you're hoping for that are divinely guaranteed. So let's stop there for a second. So when you purchase a house, maybe, maybe you're, you're, you're in a bidding war and people are wanting to buy this house and you win the bidding war and the house is now yours, but you're not moving in for two months. 
you're walking with your shoulders back and you're saying, I already have the house. And people will say, well, you're not in the house. I know. It closes in two months, but it's already mine. Here's the title deed that declares it belongs to me. And this is how we have to approach God's word. This is the title deed that tells us what's available for us. And we have to choose to believe it. And when we do, it brings pleasure to our Lord. Okay? It says it's the evidence of the things not seen. It's the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. You can't experience it with the physical senses, but you know that you know that you know that it's yours, right? Well, how do you know? Well, one of the benefits of having the Holy Spirit living in you, how many here have got the Holy Spirit living in you? Let me see your hands. Okay, the rest of you, we're going to have an altar call after. You can have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. That's the promise. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. We have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. God has freely given you all kinds of blessings. And we can know what they are because we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He makes it known that he has given us healing. He has given us adoption papers. We're part of his family now. He has provided a prosperity for the kingdom in our lives. He has provided for us, okay? And in 2 Peter, here's one more verse. Chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says, According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him, okay, who called us by glory and virtue. So God has already given us everything we need, okay? Okay? Verse 4, Whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises. Say, exceedingly great and precious promises. That by these promises, you might be partakers of God's divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. So the only way to partake of God's supernatural nature is through his promises. So if you take his promises and you hold them up and you say, Lord, this is my promise. It's from you. I'm going to hold fast to this promise. Then God is able to put the blessing in the promise. If you're running around just saying, God, you know, everything's a mess and I don't know what to do with my life and everything. And, and you know, help me, help me, help me. No, he'll help you because he's gracious. But he has nowhere to put the blessing. He puts the blessing into the promise. That's how, that's how, how we, we have to hold the promise before the Lord and say, thank you, God. Your word declares that me and my household shall be saved. And even though it looks like they're now believing in evolution, it looks like now they don't believe in God. I know, God, that you're able to do something because your word declares that me and my household shall be safe. God says, I can put a blessing in that promise. And so we begin to honor God's word as much as his presence. And the next verse I wanted to show you, we'll bring up. Is Romans 4, 16 to 20. And I want to say this is that there's 750 promises in the New Testament. 7,800 in the whole Bible. But 750 in the New Testament, some of them are repeated, so if you work it down, there's specifically 250 separate benefits for believers. 
that we can hold up and say, Lord, your word says, I'm holding it out. And then God says, I can put my blessing there. Right? Romans chapter 4, verse 16 says here, so the promise is received how? By faith. So here's the promise. And I'm going to hold on to that promise by faith. Thank you, God, that divine healing is mine. I thank you that, you know, you want me to prosper and be in health. I'm holding on to that promise, God. And you're holding on to it how? By faith. You have to trust that you hold on to it and God says, oh, I can see a bucket. I'm going to put my blessing in the bucket. I'm going to put my blessing in the promise. So you see why it's so important that we, we, we read the scripture looking for what God has to say. Because he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's a good, good father. So the, so the promise received by faith, it is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it. Whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. Do you guys believe here? So you're children of Abraham. What is the scripture, what it means, sorry, that is what the scripture means when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. See, Abraham believed in a God who could bring the dead back to life and and create new things out of nothing. Do you believe today that God can bring the dead visions of your past, the dead dreams of your past? Do you think God can bring that back to life? Do you believe that God is able to raise the dead things in your life? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God can't create new things out of nothing? This is the God of our father Abraham. And as children of Abraham, we can say, God, I believe that you can restore this relationship. I believe, God, you can bring health to my life. I believe, God, you can change this situation. We begin to believe God by faith. Amen? And God begins to move. Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so, this is what the scripture means when God told him, I have made you a father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who raises new things out of nothing. Okay? Verse 18, even when there was no reason for hope. I mean, there's no reason to even hope anymore, Abraham, for God to fulfill his promises. Abraham continued to keep hoping, believing that uh, that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said that how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though... At 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. Okay? And so was Sarah's womb. So at 100 years, you cannot have children. Everybody knows that, right? But he wasn't weakened in faith. In fact, his faith grew stronger because, okay, it says in verse 20, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promises. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. Abraham's faith grew in times of adversity, right? And if Abraham's faith can grow, so can your faith. And usually when God touches you in an area, you have faith in that area. So for me, I I struggled with mental health issues in the past. I have faith for people with mental health. 
Another thing is addictions. I was, I remember this preacher came to this church that I was at, and he was a biker, and he was a Christian, and now he's a pastor, and he still had his tattoos and his leather jacket, and he was trying to reach all the bikers, and he got up, and he started preaching, and he said, yeah, he goes, uh, I got this thing, I just believe God, and when I pray for people who have addictions, and I pray that God will make them sick if they keep taking the drugs, and then when they go to have a drug or a smoke or whatever, their bodies get sick. Anyone want prayer? I'm like, yeah, I want to get rid of these addictions. So I went forward to prayer, and the next day it was for cigarettes. And then a friend of mine, I was putting a radio in a car, uh, and he, he, hand, I, I, he handed me his cigarette while he was putting the radio in, and I couldn't have it near me. I was getting sick. And I thought, man, this is amazing. And so now I have faith to pray for people in that area. In fact, and I'm going to have Laura, you come up here for a second because you got to hear this. This is so funny. Come on up, Laura. Well, it's... The, Tell them what happened. Okay. Hello, church. All right. So, as many of you know, I used to suffer extremely from drug addiction. And I remember one time, and I knew at this point I had already believed in God. I knew God was working in my life. And I was here in the church, and, and I went to Pastor Travis and said that I was trying to quit my addiction, but I couldn't do it. It was hard, and it was terrible, and all kinds of other things like that. And he prayed for me. And he put his hands on my head, and they prayed for a while. And, and he asked God to make sure that if any time that I ever touched a drug again, that extreme, terrible things would happen. I think that's exactly how he put it. <laughs> and... So I remember leaving, saying, thinking to myself, that was kind of pointless. Like, what is that going to do? God to do that. Well, he did. <laughs> and oh God, but I prayer at that point. And um, I learned that very quickly. Um, anytime that I touched any drug, extreme crazy things would happen in my life. They were dramatic. There was no, there was no way to not believe what had just happened because it was that dramatic. Like, I'm serious. And then it just kept, I didn't per se get sick, but I knew exactly what was happening. And I knew it was just going to get worse. And I quit. And I have never gone back. <laughs> and I did not. <laughs> and that was what, three years ago, two years ago? Uh, yeah, that was two years ago. Two years ago. A little over now. Yeah, yeah so... I mean, I didn't know that. I, I, I just, she had come to me maybe three weeks ago and told me that story. I said, that's really cool because I remembered the prayer. I was like, God, just make everything go wrong if she takes the drugs. And, <laughs> but the Bible says, whatever, thing, whatever you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive it and you will have it. And you need to believe that your prayers will move in the realm of the spirit, right? And then, so let's, let's continue here. So we've seen this. Um, this testimony here that Abraham believed in a God who raised the dead and creates from nothing. And I, I want to I encourage you with this one last verse, and then we're going to have one more testimony from Bob. Uh, Mark eleven twenty three and 24. I just want to read that. 23. I'll look it up in my Bible because I never gave them. <clears throat> Got it up? Okay. Jesus said, for assuredly I say unto you, okay, I say to you, whatever you say, 
Whoever says to this mountain, are you a whosoever in this place? Whoever says that the mountain be removed and be cast or her heart, those things which he says will be done. Let's go to the next verse. He will have whatever he says. If you believe that God is able to intervene, he's able to intervene. Let it be according to your faith. Next verse. Therefore, Jesus says, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, it's, it's not like McDonald's. It doesn't happen right away. Sometimes it's in the Lord's timing. But ultimately, we need to trust that God has got our best interest. And when we pray and ask God for something, if it's in accordance with his will, he will hear you. And he Amen. And so I wanted to encourage you guys today that he, God wants us and he, he is growing our faith. We're learning to grow in our faith. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.